Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hi there, welcome to Broken Records. This is episode 41 of the spin-off podcast from the Right Act Network, where we search for the worst album ever made in music's long and storied history. My name is Stephen Hill. I'm joined as ever by my co-host and good friend Renfrey Deadman. Renfrey! Hello. This is a bit of us this week, isn't oh, it? Oh, so much so. Yeah, we're going back to the, the the world of the 1990s and all the madness that came along during that decade. It's a yeah. fun time, right? Fun time. Yeah. And 1996, as we've discussed before, I think when we talk about the 90s, I think sort of the best mm-hmm. years are 91, 94, 96, maybe. Maybe 99 yep. as well. Um, and so, yeah, great year for music as well, the old 1996. And... Um, yeah, that's kind of the opposite of what we're looking for in reality, isn't <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, on this yeah, show? Yeah. Uh, as I said, this is our search for the worst album ever made in the history of music. We have a list of albums. Currently, we have an actual top 40. I won't give you the whole top 40 right now, but we have 40 records. These records have been chosen due to their critical standing, due to the context surrounding the record, due to possibly your suggestion, due to the fan reaction, due to many, many things. There are many reasons that one of these records could get onto this list. It isn't just a list of albums that Renfrey and I have picked because we hate them. So we just want to preface that by saying there are lots of different reasons why these albums get here. Um, This week, we're going to be talking about the debut album by the British alternative rock band Babylon Zoo. The album is called The Boy with the X-Ray Eyes. It was released on the 5th of February 1996, as you rightfully pointed out, Rimfrey. 5th of February 1996, kicking off the greatest year in the history of music with a stonker. An absolute (laughs) stonker. Before we get into Babylon Zoo, I'm going to run down the flop 20. This is the 20 worst albums that we have found so far. Babylon Zoo will be going somewhere in our list of 40, but there's some stuff at the bottom of the list that we, at this point, don't feel like we need to talk to you about. So, the 20 worst albums from the 40 albums we've done so far are as follows in descending order. One by Dirty Vegas, Razorlight by Razorlight, Famous First Words by Viva Brother, One More Light by Linkin Park, The Truth Is by Theory of a Renfrey Deadman, <laughs> Louis the 14th Slick Dogs and Ponies, the Cosmos Rocks by Queen and Paul Rogers. The United Nations of Sound by Richard Ashcroft. The Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band Original Soundtrack. Eog and Quig by Eog and Quig. Graveyard Classics Volume 2 by Six Feet Under. Blood, Sweat and Towers by The Towers of London. Angelic to the Core by Corey Feldman. Philosophy of the World by The Shags. Total Zanarchy by Little Zan. Blood on the Dance Floor. Bad Blood. Methods of Mayhem by Methods of Mayhem. The Concerto in True Minor by The True Symphonic Orchestra. Uncle Crackers Double Wide, and still, still at number one, Broken Side. I'm not a fan, but the kids like it. Will Broken Side ever be knocked off the top of that chart? I mean, if they are, you've done something really bad if you ever do something worse than Broken Side. Will it be Babylon Zoo? We'll have to see. Um, 
So as I said, Babylon Zoo, the boy with the x-ray eyes is what we're going to be talking about today. As I mentioned, it is their debut record. It came out on the 5th of February, 1996. There is actually far more to get into with Babylon Zoo than one might first imagine. Mm. So here we go. I've got three pages of notes. I've got seven. Wow, okay, (laughs) cool. Strap in. Before we get into it, there's going to be two types of reaction right now to what we're doing. One of them will be going, people going, oh my God, Babylon Zoo, fucking hell. I haven't thought about that name and that band for a really, really, really long time. And I've, I'm thinking about one particular song that they have. Yeah. They are a one-hit wonder band, Very much so. Yeah. Uh, they may well be the first one-hit wonder album that we've put into Broken Records. I'm having a little look. I think in terms of a actual one-hit wonder... I think this is the first one-hit wonder that we've 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 done. You might be right. I suppose Uncle Cracker, you could yeah. say, is sort of a one-hit wonder. Yeah. But even he's not as synonymous with just one song and nothing else as Babylon Zoo, though, right? It's so... I mean, you just so immediately... The song Spaceman and that chorus or the video or whatever just comes to mind the moment you say babylon zoo and last week i mentioned the single animals i didn't even get the title correct it's actually called uh army animals even now i'm struggling animal Animal army there we go (laughs) so i remembered there was a follow-up single and i vaguely remember what it sounded like that is a great game just as an aside name the follow-up single to a because yeah. no one just goes we'll just release one single and that will be it and then we'll go away yeah. no one ever does that so naming the follow-up single to a one-hit wonder is one yeah. of life's great games but we're going to be actually on our main show at some point we're going to do some sort of one-hit wonder thing quite soon aren't we mm-hmm. so i don't want to go yeah too much into the one hit wonder realm right now and start naming you know like old popping a note by uh rednecks which is a follow-up to cotton Joe, yeah. or um uh scatman's world the follow-up to scat i'm the scatman by scatman john but anyway there are they are there but yes they did have like obviously had a follow-up single i didn't even know i i don't remember that song just as a like straight away i didn't know what you're talking about i right. only knew spaceman okay okay and i'm quite do you know what i've remember most things well from the 90s from, this, from this period from the 90s your memory is extraordinary i would say so yes yeah yes. so i mean yeah they're a one-hit wonder band um so some people are going oh that's the spaceman band i think because it's been so long it's been 25 years since that single came out there'll be other people listening who will go huh? who is it what is this <laughs> yeah 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 so allow us to put our arms around you and bring you all together so that we're all up to speed i would encourage the people who don't know this band maybe just to to um google the album cover maybe just to peer at whilst we have some visual accompaniment to this yeah uh, and it will get you right there into 1996 i think because it's, it's very 90s so... isn't it? <laughs> it really will it's very 90s. it really will oh god what a time <laughs> what a time. um it looks like it looks like a back? graphic from games master <laughs> the, the <cover> <laughs> <laughs> and i know only really some do. people will get that but if you are if you are old enough to get it that is bang on yeah that just is so. fucking bang on just so. that is absolutely bang on it is like he's a contestant on nightmare 
Yeah. <laughs> we should probably apologise in advance. This is going to have a lot of nineties. <laughs> Anyone under the age of like thirty-two, I'm sorry. Um, anyway. So let's get into this Babylon Zoo. Jasbinder Singh Man, or Jasman, as he would uh, come to be known, was a singer in the local Midlands rock scene. He'd been in a few acts of little note until he was enlisted by the Wolverhampton indie pop band The Sand Kings in 1988 to become the band's new frontman. Uh, the band themselves, The Sand Kings, had a tiny modicum of success over the next few years, releasing the album This Is England in 1992 and having three singles get into the UK indie top 10 during that time. Now, this is not the UK top 10. Uh, this is the UK indie top 10, which between kind of 1988 to 1992 was still... Um, the indie chart was still kind of a big thing then, wasn't it? Like people yeah. looked at... I say a big thing. It was a thing that people paid attention to yeah. because the phrase indie wasn't a sort of style at that point. It was actually, you know, yeah. you are on an independent label. So yeah. you could be in there with Napalm Death and the Pixies and mm-hmm. bands like that. And, you know, the indie chart was a was considered a kind of quite, a, quite an important thing for bands of that nature. Yeah, totally. Okay, good. So you can run through agrees with me. I'm, <laughs> it's true. Um, I've only listened to one song by um, by the band, the Sand Kings. Yes. Uh, they have one song on Spotify. It's called Earth Wheel. It's on a compilation album called C90, like the cassette. Oh, to get a C90 cassette, didn't you? Nice. And tape, do yeah. a mixtape for things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I that's used to what try to record the Radio One Rock Show off the uh, off the radio because it started at midnight back in the day, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd only get the first hour and a half of the show, which is probably why it took me so long. So you'd to fall get... asleep? No, 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 no. Because it's probably well because I only had a C90. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, why. C90. But, uh, because uh, it's probably why it took me so long to get into an extreme metal because they played with the extreme stuff at the end. So I never, I, I very you rarely heard that stuff into the pit <laughs> that's what they used to call it on uh or headbangers ball um so anyway c90 the compilation album features uh the band sand kings alongside slow dive ride the boo radleys ned's atomic dustman and many more bands that much like babylon zoo you'd either forgotten existed or never knew existed in the first place so that sounds all right of, though that compilation yeah, it's a kind of hodgepodge of i think ocean color scene might be on it as well it's a kind of hodgepodge of early obviously early 90s sort of shoegazy indie jangly stuff um and the song that the band have on that compilation, Earth Will, is okay, I guess. I mean, it's fairly indistinguishable from, indistinguishable from pretty much every one of those other songs and those bands, if I'm honest. Yeah. They do seem like a kind of sort of Poundland teenage fan club, to right. be perfectly honest. Okay. And does does the world need that? No. It does, definitely doesn't need it in 2021. I mean, I'm not sure it needed it so much either in kind of 1990 either really but it's okay at least it sounds like it was zeitgeisty you know yeah and after hearing that song i am not so shocked at all that jazzman left that band and they split up in 1992 due to creative differences Mm. Mm. which we will probably get into because say what you like about jazzman and we're probably going to say quite a lot about him in this episode he was a gentleman with how can I put this in a nice way? Um, a lot of ambition, it would seem. Yeah. And yeah. the Sand Kings didn't seem like a band with that level of ambition. I mean, as we go through this, straight away, 
my memory because I was like, oh, I wonder if it's actually any good Babylon Zoo. And people have and had quite a visceral reaction to this band back in the day. Mm, they did. Right. For a variety of reasons. Mm. One of the main reasons was Jazzman seemed a bit pretentious. Not that there's anything wrong with that, Renfrey. I mean, I spend a lot of time talking to you. <laughs> I can talk to pretentious people. <laughs> um, I feel like I have said in the past that the word pretentious is overused. It's used too often. And sometimes it's used for things which aren't really pretentious. They are just, you know, ambitious. Um, I think every single time Jazzman has been referred to as pretentious, that is the correct use. <laughs> yeah it is a sort of kind of uh, it's an ideas above your station sort of ambition i think that's the important distinction because like you know to 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 diss people for having ambition is a shit thing to do um but if uh if 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 your ambitions are beyond your actual abilities that's where the pretension comes in i think yeah 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 yeah. so um having left the sand kings he made a three-track demo in 1993 which got him a deal with phonogram records for his new project named babylon zoo but he actually ended up not signing that deal and instead going and signing to warner um where the boy with the x-ray eyes was recorded under warner's budget um still Despite that, the label that actually released the record in the end was EMI, who poached the band when Warner Managing Director Clive Black went over to EMI from Warner and decided to bring the band with him. Now, at this point, it's tempting to wonder what so many people heard on that three-track demo. Yeah, yeah. That everybody was so clambering over themselves to make sure they got Babylon Zoo. On retrospect... And we're about to talk about some of the money that got... I mean, Warner in particular must be fucking livid. But then also find it all quite amusing, I would mm, say, as well. Mm. Because well, what do you think was on that fucking demo tape? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? I Nothing have, from here, surely. Uh, uh, well... Uh, maybe one song. Uh, maybe one song. Um, I mean, uh, if we're guessing it was a three or four track... I mean, if you got the best three or four songs from this album this is a minor spoiler um i think you'd have a perfectly competent demo (laughs) rather than like a really amazing one um so no it's quite confusing and i doubt they have like i'd be very interested to hear it if they did but i doubt they have like an early ep which is an absolute classic you know irony is a dead scene sort of style (laughs) (laughs) no i don't think they do um uh, I don't know. I like everyone bought Spaceman on single, and even that is just five versions of Spaceman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Anyway, um, whatever it was that saw um, people so desperate to sign Babylon Zoo, the people here who are going to be really fucked off are Warner. Because not only did they pay for the record to be recorded, uh, they'd also paid for the band's debut single which was Spaceman, uh, and had fronted up money for the video too as well. So they filmed a video for Spaceman as well. Uh, in fact, thousands of copies of the single of Spaceman released by Warner had to be destroyed and were unusable. Yeah. So that is a lot of money being spent by Warner on that one particular song and video for absolutely nothing at all. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about what happened to the song in a minute as well, mm. they're going to be really fucked off. Mm. 
yes. like really fucked off. Yeah, but video video meant... looks quite slick by those standards as well. Like it doesn't look like. I mean, it kind of looks a bit cheap now, but mm. I think by mid nineties standards. I mean, I, I, I admittedly I was only eleven, so I was impressed by fucking everything. But I, I, I remember being like, I recorded it off the telly on from on from the chart show or something like that. And I've watched the video again and again and again and again and again. And watching it again now, like, yeah, it is very 90s. And it's very kind of like, oh, the X-Files is a big thing right now. Let's do something like that. But yeah. um, but it doesn't have a cheap quality to it. It has a dated quality to it, but not a cheap quality to it. It looks like, you know, they spent some ink on it, I would say. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, yeah I, I, they they would have spent some money on it I mean we'll talk about the aesthetics of the band in a minute because I'm going to bring up the video and I was going to bring up their Top of the Pops performance in a okay. minute um, but what it meant that there was a delay in the song getting released which it, which meant EMI had to make a new video press a whole new load of singles um, and do a kind of re-recorded version of it fine whilst that process was happening they decided to debut the song on a local Manchester based radio station during um, that song being played on this local radio station, a member of the marketing team at Levi's Jeans happened to be listening one day and liked the song. Now, again, this is something which doesn't happen anymore, I don't think. Now, I know there was that thing last year where an old, old Fleetwood Mac song got really big on TikTok, right? You remember mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm, you know about that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Got Gal Gadot and friends doing Imagine, yeah. finally giving John Lennon the recognition <laughs> that he deserves. With with the rendition of that song that he deserves as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But, you know, you don't really get songs becoming massive hits due to their association with a film or a TV program or an advert so much anymore, I don't think. Is that fair to it's, say? I generally... Mm, it's hard to... Mm, I feel like it's more... I don't think those songs become mega hits. I think with stuff like Shazam, um, I think it becomes a lot easier for people to find those songs. I think sometimes... You know, because there were quite a few songs that I got into or even sometimes whole bands I got into because... I would hear um, a song on the soundtrack. For example, first time I heard Far was watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer because uh, Job's, uh, Job's Eyes. Yeah, Job's Eyes is used in one of the episodes in the first season, the werewolf one, for those who like Buffy. Uh, and um, and I remember being like, what the fuck is this song? But you know nowadays i would have just shazammed it and i would have found out straight away it took me years to find out what the song was and who it was and then i bought water solutions and and, and initially i was annoyed because i bought the wrong album because that's not the album that has job's eyes on it um then i listened to it properly i was like this album's fucking amazing and then i got it later but yeah you know so um so things like shazam i would have thought would have made that easier and then but yet even that even though that in theory would be the case i think i don't think those songs become absolute mega hits like i think there's just too much that that i, I know why it's because there's too much there's too many channels now like we only had, we had four I, I don't mean that in a bad way but we had four channels before so if 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 the levi's advert would have been seen by so many more people than an advert would now so 
there's no there's no there's not as many massive cultural touch points exactly yeah, yeah. you know where everyone is watching the same thing all the time yeah. yeah you know you stream things you can fast you can record it you watch it next day you fast forward yeah. the adverts it's very unlikely to happen but in these days if you were associated with a levi's advert pretty much from you know they use heard it on the grapevine on the levi's advert famously stand by me was another one but yeah. there was a real run in the early 90s starting in 1990 with the steve miller band so steve miller band the joker the 1973 song the joker 17 years after its release spent four weeks at the top of the uk singles chart steve miller band not a big band in the united kingdom abracadabra was their only kind of big hit mm. sort of thought of as a big as sort of one hit wonder thing um four weeks at number one the clash obviously the clash a huge band, but in 1982, should I stay or should I go? Peaked at number 17 in the UK singles charts. Nine years later, it hit the top spot for a week due to its association with Levi's. Okay. The Scottish rock band Stiltskin were similarly in the same way as Babylon Zoo, a kind of one hit wonder. Their song Inside was their debut single, spent a week at number one in the UK singles charts in 1994. Their next two singles peaked at number 34 and then ni- number 92 respectively and they never got in the charts ever again mm. shaggy's debut single oh carolina had made him a bit of a star in the uk but he'd only hit the top 40 once more with his next four singles before mr bombastic was their number one hit in seven countries mm. seven mm. seven countries due to its association with a levi's advert it spent three weeks on top of the chart in the united kingdom so Levi's picked the song Spaceman to soundtrack their next campaign in late 1995. But the difference between The Clash, Steve Miliband, Shaggy, Stiltskin (laughs) are that they played the proper part of the song. They played the meat of the song on those other adverts. Yeah. They did not play the main hook Mm. of Spaceman like they have with all the other songs. Instead, they use the kind of dancey, electro-robotic hook which starts and ends a song. And little did any of us really know what Spaceman in its entirety sounded like. Now, I actually went back and watched that ad again because I obviously knew that they... I remember that they didn't use any of that. They just used the Mm. Spaceman, Mm. Spaceman The chipmunk voice Uh, spit. Yeah. And um, my God, that brought some memories back watching mm, that video. I bet. Did you yeah. watch it? I didn't watch the, um, uh, the the Levi's advert, but I watched the music video for the song. Mm. Yeah, so a few things about that advert, because um, it was pretty fucking omnipresent, as most Levi's ads yeah. were back then. Um, I used to really fancy the girl who was the alien. Still do. <laughs> Still do. It is so bright. It is so technically bright, that. It's so 90s. And... There is literally no clue about what is about to come and happen from that song in the advert. They literally cut out. The song's like four and a half minutes long. The advert's a minute. Yeah. They cut out the entire song and Mm. just play the very, very start and the very, very end. Yeah. And there is no Babylon Zoo on that. Um, I found a little WordPress site that ranked and talked about all of the songs that were hits from the Levi's adverts. And they were pretty complimentary about all of them, apart from Spaceman. Um, This is what they said about this. Well, they almost did do wrong with this one. Almost. It was 1996 when a new Levi's ad came out and again the additional music was good. It would appear they had gone down the route of dance music this time, an obvious move when one considers 
the differing styles previously used. The buying public were enthralled by the music, which to them sounded like something from outer space. On release, the record rocketed to number one, but many people were left perplexed when, on first listening, the song descended quickly, descended, into a rock song. Although the start of the song was what had been in the advert, the rest was nothing like it. The listener felt like they'd been duped, but it was a feeling that wouldn't last. Um, and then they went on to talk about whatever shit was come out next. Um, do you remember hearing, knowing the bit from Spaceman and then hearing the rest of the song? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Um, and I remember loving that bit. I, I like, it probably doesn't sound very me really because you know it's that massively highly processed vocal with the chipmunk thing and it's all just like space move always you to go you know it's really shrill and probably the sort of thing that now i would find really annoying but 11 year old me it's just so damn fucking catchy you know it's so mm. catchy but then as i said earlier i um i heard the song the full song on the chart show on itv and they would just show videos basically you know it was just like a voiceover doing videos kind of thing i used to watch it most weeks for a period of time probably between the ages of like 10 and 13 or something um and when it went into that like dark uh industrial mechanical animals two years before mechanical animals came uh, out basically dark industrial light grunge light you know and people like you see a lot of things going back and 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 talking about spaceman saying oh that bit of the song is just where it becomes really dour and shit i don't know i don't think it i certainly didn't think it was then and i was curious as to whether i thought it would be now and actually i think there are some very cool bits in that song the way that the song sounds is kind of awesome and you know yeah it's not like it is kind of ministry light or i think at the time like my reference points would have been extremely limited at the time i think i'd got into metallica like a year previously and i was kind of like oh my god this is like metallica but slightly lighter i mean in reality it's more sort of ministry nine inch nails kind of thing but a lot lighter almost like a filter style Mm. (laughs) you know industrial thing but gravity kills yeah but well, I I really liked it. I I like right. I I genuinely really liked it. And the the like at the time when I watched the video now, I I think it's a bit shonky and 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 very very nineties. Um, but the video at at the age of eleven, it worked for me. You know, I was a huge fucking X Files nerd and stuff like that. Mm. And like there was so like, I mean, I'm pretty sure the success of the X Files probably if it wasn't inspired slightly by that it at least helped this song Definitely. i would have thought uh it was everywhere at the time and you've got to think as well that when grunge and at that point as well Britpop 96 like you know what's the story morning glory's yeah. just come out oasis are about to sweep the board at the brits you know like it's just before nebworth Britpop is the big thing and yeah. grunge is sort of just this if you you know rock music just sort of just cling on to grunge a bit it is really weird to think back to see this kind of glam rock alien song become such a smash it yeah. felt weird at the time it did when you watch the video it feels almost like 
impossible today. Mm. I mean, I also watched their debut performance on Top of the Pops, and this was the first time, I know this for a fact, this was the first time that I'd ever heard the song in full. So Lisa Ianson stood in front of um, a bloke in a suit with a bowler hat on, but with like a slipknot mask on, and he's doing the decks. Yeah, so like, just yeah, yeah, yeah. So this will be this will be the thing, and then it cuts to like the rest of the band, and you've got two kind of like you know leather bondage gear, leather trouser wearing sort of black industrial looking goth people playing guitar and bass and you've got jazz man in a big silver skirt and he does look like a fucking rock star he does like he's a really really good he got great cheekbones he's got a really good look he's a handsome man he's He's a very handsome handsome man man. Uh, and there's a there's a placebo brian molko style thing going on here i would say you know Mm. um that's that an androgynous that, quality yeah 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 and, and, and i i watched it and i i was like this is genuinely fucking brilliant <laughs> really weird really visually interesting and it's i mean i love the 90s and this is sort of so 90s but it also it's a sort of thing that purists would fucking hate but yeah whatever man the madness of the 90s it's so fucking great and this was and at the end of it lisa anson goes i think that song's going to go to number one next week i remember hearing it and watching it on top of pops and being like totally nonplussed like ah where's the bit that i know you know you just know the bit yeah, like, yeah, i knew yeah, the bit yeah, yeah, and yeah. i wanted the bit and the yeah. bit was at the start and the bit was at the end and there was nothing connected to it in the middle and i was just like oh but like most people renfrey I bought it on single. Did you buy it on single? I did. Yeah. Of course you did. It's it's looking back at the numbers that Spaceman did. <laughs> it is unfucking believable. Yeah. So Spaceman as a single was released on the 15th of January 1996 kicking off the greatest year for music in style, obviously. <laughs> um it knocked George Michael's Jesus to the Child off the top of the chart a week later. It was said that that song was outselling George Michael by nine copies to every one that George Michael nine sold. Nine to one, fuck. Yeah. Wow. It sold 383,000 copies on its first week of release, becoming the fastest selling British single of all time in the process. Nothing had sold in that manner since Can't Buy Me Love by the Beatles. It spent five weeks wow. at the top of the UK singles chart. It went on to be certified platinum in the UK, selling one point two one million copies of a single I, I, <laughs> uh, that's not it it was number one in 14 countries a top 10 hit in 23 countries it's been certified gold in australia belgium sweden austria france and germany it is platinum in new zealand it is currently the 79th best-selling single in the history of british music Wow. And Katie Mellia has covered it live. Oh. <laughs> that was an unexpected. That was yeah. that was like at the end of the news and finally. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Um wow. Those are some crazy statistics none of which I knew, I have to say. That is absolutely insane. Number th- the 79th best-selling single in the UK of all time. In the UK of all time. 
I, so if you can think of eight, 80 other songs, I mean, you think how many singles Michael Jack just just Michael Jackson yeah. put out. You yeah. think of how many singles just Madonna has put out. How many singles just Elvis, just the Beatles, just U two, just the Rolling Stones, just Depeche Mode, just Westlife, just Take That, just One Direction, just Beyonce. Right? How many? Like, just take all of them mm. and put all their singles together. I mean, you've got three hundred. 350, 400 singles Probably. just from those artists that I have off the top of my head reeled off, right? Yep. Babylon Zoo are in the top 80 with Spaceman are in the top 80 of all of those artists plus whoever else I haven't mentioned Elton John, Bruce Springsteen, Nirvana. It's, it's, That's crazy. It's absolutely Queen. bad. That is mad I, I, I mean, Literally just all music ever. Lady Gaga. Yeah. Top 80. Top 80 biggest songs. Songs. <laughs> Not like, you know, you, you can have like five Michael Jackson songs in it or whatever. Like, th- that is an astonishing, an astonishing amount. It is. To be it number is. 80. <laughs> what, what do you want me to 79. say so that we can move on? <laughs> like, I don't know. It, it is just, astonishing. I'm, I'm just trying. <laughs> There's a lot I'm to get tr- through. <laughs> I'm, yeah i'm just trying to like hammer that home because i think that is that is insane you could, yeah you could go like oh okay but like yeah it's mental no it is yeah. anyway it's, it's a big song and like no one really ever talks about it now that's no, why, yeah. right? no. um well the fact that this came out of the hat i mean the excitement when we both realized it was babylon zoo just just yeah. just to be able to talk about this song to be totally honest with you yeah. like because no one ever talks about it anymore it's yeah uh the album was released on the 5th of february picked at number six on the uk album charts uh jazzman wrote and performed every single thing on the album i actually found a little bit of the press release from the time oh wow and here it is it says this like an album the actor this is a quote from jazzman like an actor the album is performed is is a is a platform for my personal feelings about my surroundings and the people around me jazzman's personal catharsis is interpreted on the boy with the x-ray eyes through expressing his various inner voices and with the rest of the band musically facilitating the analysis the album is a soundtrack without a film a modern opera without a script and the band are actors playing games with the rock and roll dinosaur welcome to part one this is the genesis of the world according to babylon zoo <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah i mean pretentious yeah yeah definitely 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 that sounds like something i would write um yeah very pretentious that's very I was like, pretentious. Fucking hell, is that the first bio you ever did <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway man, yeah mm. so that is quite a lot of context about babylon zoo but was it any good renfrey let's take a little look at some of the reviews the observer was very positive about it um, said it was a blast of Beatles and a hunk of early David Bowie and called Jazzman a hero with um, the album being 1996's first real phenomenon. The Guardian, shown its age, <laughs> gave it CD of the week. <laughs> uh, in a three out of five sorry out of a four out of five review saying this is a fey pretentious vision of music but deny its energy and style to your detriment lyrics aren't strong point but strong tunes put man on the harder side of glam um q also gave it four stars calling spaceman startlingly great the times called it a credible and cohesive collection of songs which harness big distorted guitar sounds to a futuristic vision uh, it also got four stars from alt, pl- alt press as well saying no fears for follow-ups to the lead single and they also liken the album to david bowie's ziggy stardust remixed by the guys from underworld 
I have to say, I have to say, not in terms of quality, but in terms of the sound that this is at least trying to hit for, like this album Mm. as a whole, I don't think that is a bad descriptor at all, to be honest. No, not particularly. No, no, no. Not everyone was that keen on it. Select gave it two out of five, comparing them to Bush and saying that they were a mime troupe unable to keep quiet. Which is quite harsh. Uh, the there is Bath- there is a fair amount of bush in this. To be fair, I mean, I yeah, don't, I don't see that as a bad thing, but there is a fair no, amount no, of bush. No, no, I don't either. Uh, the Baltimore Sun said they felt it would be hard to imagine America falling for this junk. Only a couple of years before America fell for Godsmack and Creed, um, <laughs> the Independent called it reheated techno glam guitar rock, somewhere between Ziggy Stardust and Jesus Jones. The Irish Times called the album fatally flawed and not a pleasant listening experience. It's not too bad when you go back to the original reviews. I mean, there's some fairly kind of unhappy ones in there, but there's quite a lot of like four out of fives and eight out of tens and stuff in there. Um, so why is this album here? Well, uh, I mean, over the rec- over the years, this record has taken some right fucking pelters. Really has, uh, the BBC. It? The B- yeah, the BBC radio presenter OJ Borg has called this album the one album he regrets buying more than any other album in his lifetime. I don't actually know who that guy is, but I thought it was a thing. Uh, the Guardian named it one of the worst albums ever in 1999, calling it one of the most hide- hilariously terrible albums ever made. Q named it in their list of worst albums ever made in 2006 uh, at number 42, calling it an album of lumpen MOR rock that sank without a trace. Should probably say that both The Guardian and Q, when the album came out, actually gave it pretty positive positive reviews both gave yeah. it four out of five didn't they so yep yep bit yep. of a turnaround there um yeah a public poll in 2016 saw the album voted as the 31st worst album ever made in 2017 vice called uh the album the worst one hit wonder album ever yeah did you read that article I didn't know. Oh, no. there's some fascinating ones on there. Okay. Uh, they said the album was like being thumped on the head with a large chunk of wood and then dragged backwards through thick sludge. Mm. Hmm. I mean, I mean, the, the, the other albums on there which are above it in terms of you know they, this writer saying that those album these albums are better. The Meredith Brooks album, uh, famous for her 1997 hit "Bitch," uh, the crazy the crazy frog album, which is a future uh, broken record, isn't it? Um, yeah uh, the Rasmus Dead Letters which is also a future one House of Pain by House of Pain Gautier Making Mirrors The Automatic Daniel Beddingfield Gotta Get Through This Macy Gray he had a couple of he he had a couple Macy Gray I mean Mm. both Daniel Beddingfield and Macy Gray had more than one hit I thought so well Evanescence are on this list which Uh, you know I mean look I know I know that like probably people outside of rock only know bring me to life or whatever but like they are a band who play like hammersmith apollo or they do arenas don't they of an essence can you hit call yeah. a band like that a one hit wonder i'm not sure you can really no so so it's a it's a bonkers... probably got a on them they they don't have hate <laughs> burn their fucking office down <laughs> um it, it's a bonkers it's a bonkers list and i think some of the entries aren't even really valid as entries to be totally honest but yeah there you go Okay, well, yeah, I might have a little look at that at some point, because obviously we are probably going to be talking about some of those other albums uh, another time. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. The the last thing I wanted to mention before we get into how we feel about the album is in 2010, the NME printed an article in defence of the album. It has since been removed from their yeah, website. Yeah, I noticed that, yeah. I was like, oh, that'll be interesting to read. Oh, no, I can't. 
Oh no, we've, we've, we've pussied out because <laughs> we want to look cool. Um, so that's kind of the context for it. For some reason, this record has gone from, you know, a promising young band with a, a superstar hit single, which kind of annoyed a lot of people, despite the fact that it's, well, we'll get into the song in a minute. Um, Babylon Zoo are seen as a massive, massive, massive joke these mm. days or yeah. nothing at all. Mm. But for the longest time, they were a real punching bag. So that's why this album's here. I think it's pretty kind of self-explanatory why this album's here. But Renfrey, Babylon Zoo, the boy with the X-ray eyes, is it actually any good? Uh, the album as a whole. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, mm. I don't think it's great. Um, overall, as an album, I don't think it's terrible either. I think it, I would imagine, I mean, before having spoken to you, unless you feel totally different about it, I imagine it's going to be fairly low down. I don't think this is going to, this is not going to be top 20 in our list. I don't think. No. Um, no it's going to be fairly low down. I think... Do you know what this reminded me of? And this will be a bit of a weird thing to hear at first, but Garbage. Over on Riot Act, we reviewed the new Garbage album recently, which is a pretty decent record. It's got some, certainly got some great songs on it. More great songs on it than this album does, it has to be fair. Say. Mm-hmm. But um, we did bring up the criticism of Garbage, which, the, you know, we're not the only people to say it, but um, Garbage have suffered from doing that thing of creating a really cool sound, but they're not building... Uh, not crafting a really good song into that cool sound and I got a lot of deja vu with the garbage well with garbage's career to be honest listening to this because I actually thought that a lot of the record sounded pretty cool Uh, and even bearing in mind it came out in 1996 as well even I was surprised at how well it had dated musically that's not to say that it has dated well but I was expecting it to have dated far far worse than it has and there's some interesting ideas in there and some interesting kind of like porter's head meets ministry sort of esque ideas which you know if they had been if those ideas had been taken uh by a really good songwriter could have actually yielded some quite interesting results um it's too long uh it's 55 minutes all of the songs are too long way Mm. too long these songs um but i think because of the general sound of the album which for the most part, what was the quote? Uh, Underworld meets... Doing David Bowie. David Bo- Underworld doing David Bowie. You know, like, to be honest, I don't think the promise of that is achieved. But you can see that that is being... Maybe that sound is being striven for, if striven is a word. You know, I, and, and and it's not entirely successful, but there are points where it's like, okay, you know, you, you're not a million miles off of that. And it creates a good sound, if not good songs, I would say. That's what I'd say of the album overall as a whole. What do you think about that? Well, I did something, what I did with this, I mean, we'll get to the, I think we'll talk about the first two, because we want to be nice about this as well. Cause yeah. I, so we'll talk about the first two songs in a minute. Um, but I did a post-Spaceman, how am I feeling for the rest of this record, rather than kind of like, because, you know, like th- this is a one-hit wonder album right this album is completely dominated by one song so i was like okay so 
that is track two we'll talk about oh, uh, oh, i mean i mean I, track two the quality control of the album skyrockets let's say that i would yeah. say so the first song so in fact like you said the first song animal army which is the second single manages to go between kind of bowie suede and the stone temple pilots all at once yeah, i think yeah yeah which is absolutely fine if you love the 90s which i do even yeah. as a committed 90 man i think it's no more than just a bit catchy yeah. i quite like the sound i like the idea of all the things i like the melder stuff i don't think it's an amazing song it's all right We'll, to, we'll talk about we'll talk about spaceman in a little bit it goes to zodiac the zodiac sign the energy dips a lot it does yes it, it dips does. so much and i think this is a mistake and this is where the band should have tried to ride the energy of spaceman off the back of that song and what we get is this kind of doomy dirgy it's kind of like an electro version of Soundgarden meeting Blur. I think the mix yeah. is weird, and I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop short of saying unique, but certainly quite weird. Mm. And they kind of bring the robot voice back for the start of Paris Green, and it sounds like Depeche Mode so covering an Oasis song from Be Here Now, like not one of the better Oasis songs either. I got I put down Be Here Now as well. Yeah, there's a surprising amount of sort of Oasis Liam Gallagher style melody on this record, yeah. which I don't well that was necessarily. Just the way wasn't it yeah i don't necessarily mean that as a bad thing because you know in terms of like simple melodies obviously oasis were quite good at that uh, i'll yeah. give them that um, but no yeah i i have be here now down as well for that song. yeah and then like confused art is a really really apt name for a song <laughs> caffeine again is just dirty it's got that kind Ploddy. of eastern tinge stuff yeah and you're like yeah but it's just slow and cumbersome and i'm sort of starting yeah. to lose interest at this point slow and cumbersome and a, is not a bad way to describe the record as a whole to be honest yeah, yeah. and it's got lines like your sexuality confounded this world this world and that is a bad lyric that is <laughs> like, a that lyric. is a yeah. bad yeah. lyric yeah, yeah, yeah. the title track Although, starts as a... to be fair my sexuality he did confound this world so you know, yeah well i mean the, the, objectively <laughs> um, <laughs> the title track is sort of starts as a sort of a ballad a piano ballad no less and i was like well now we're getting a like savage garden territory here <laughs> and i'm really starting to lose patience and then the chorus comes in and it's full-blown beetle worship and i thought oh we've gone up a little bit here and then fire guided light heads back into some really quite unremarkable territory and it's just a dirge and is your soul for sale is proper a bowie wannabe song and that is where i go it's by today's standards it sounds so 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 cheap i mean even when we did earthling and we said well it could be thought of as being quite dated but it didn't sound cheap and you said about about the video for spaceman like yeah looks dated but not cheap but this it did that. It's, to me, it was like this sounds really cheap. Is your soul now, for sale? That song sounds cheap, definitely. Yeah, and I now, would actually say it's my least favorite song on the album. I yeah, th- it's, I think it's, it's really, really bad, rubbish. Yeah. Now you could go. Well, look, it's their debut album. It's their first go. But you know, you got to think like a lot of money would have been chucked at this record. A lot of money would have been chucked, and you would hope that that would mean that it would at least sound like that money has been being used correctly. With all the kind of finances that were getting put into it, so I'm almost not really willing to give him a pass. I'm only going. The that. only thing I'm going to, and the only thing I'm going to bring up there is, 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 I mean, a lot of money being thrown at this record. Yes, because there was more money in the music industry at the time. But I think you know the album probably would have been recorded before there was any notion of it becoming certainly before any notion of spaceman becoming the absolute massive hit that it was 
So I wouldn't yeah, I'm not say sure. that as an absolute I'm, fact. I don't think that's true because you have a record label bidding war going on for this band and a guy who's already established even like slightly in the music industry. And if you weren't going to spend any money on the record, you probably wouldn't be spending all money on marketing it and you yeah. know and the the video and all that stuff so i i think actually they are you know much like i mean we spoke about the vines last week on the regular show we we're speaking at wargasm you know those bands they don't get there for bit, like whether they're ready or not to be able to do that yeah. kind of becomes a moot point when you are put into that position and i think babylon zoo were primed for being a big band straight away it wasn't like yeah yeah. You know, like, hey, we've just signed this thing. And, oh, my God, like, it's, this isn't Smells Like Teen Spirit blowing up. Because no, no. It keep, kept getting requested on college radio. Mm. <laughs> this is a... He made a demo and labels have fallen over themselves to, to get it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they they would have... Spe- you know, I, I think they... I, I actually am going to push back on that and go, I think actually... No, I think they would have spent a lot of money on this record. It's I certainly... Do. There's certainly... I mean, one thing we can absolutely 100% agree on is there's no excuse for Is Your Soul For Sale sounding as cheap as it does. Yeah, yeah it so. does. Um, And then they end it with a kind of... A, a song called I'm Cracking Up, I Need A Pill, which is a sort of heavier version of Polythene-era feeder. And at least it's sort of reminiscent of that era it's got a little bit of grit and oomph to it but it's a shame that it's the only other song on this entire album that even tries to do that and i think that is a massive mistake by babylon zoo a massive mistake and i think what we've got here is basically a single with at best a couple of all right b-sides yeah i think that's fairly fair to say um just a quick thing on i'm cracking up i need a pill the last song on the album i feel like it's probably because there had been so much i'd been subjected to so much dirge prior to it but it felt like a real adrenaline shot when that song came in just because it has a like you said just because it has a bit of grit to it and there's actually some screaming in it like you know not full like shredding your vocal cords screaming but you know it's it it does have a bit of energy to the end of the record and you know i'd go as far as to say as i actually quite liked it um but yeah certainly yeah a a single with um a whole bunch of b-sides that is actually pretty accurate way to describe the record as a whole i would Mm. say but what a single absolutely what a single yeah what a fucking single <laughs> what a single spaceman is a massive tune like it is so i think if you took spaceman on this album you'd have a much worse record but you might oh, yeah. enjoy the record as a whole more because it is just so much better than everything else i agree like it is just so much better than everything else and and you know it's like it's in a completely different universe to everything mm, else mm. where did this fucking song come from and for the people that were moaning about because i know people were like returning the single because it wasn't just like yeah, yeah. some kind of chemical brothers you know dancey rhythm of the night fucking the the opening part for the whole four minutes and yeah. i do remember loads of people i went to school were like oh it's fucking shit oh it's fucking shit yeah, i just wanted that bit i turn it off after 30 seconds and i'm like wow I was shocked the first time I heard it. I was like, ah, what the fuck? That's weird. Mm-hmm. But more more and more I listened to it, I was like, actually, it's the best bit. The 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 meat of the song is better than the intro and outro. Definitely. It is a really brilliant example of a kind of mid-90s light 
grunge industrial tinge song and like when this was picked out of the hat i was really excited about going back to spaceman for purely nostalgic reasons what mm-hmm. i was not expecting is me to go back with my 36 year old head on my shoulders with my more critical brain certainly than when i was 11 when i first heard this and be able to dissect the song and go this is a legitimately well-crafted well-written song just before we started recording this i was saying to you this song has like two or three choruses and yeah. it just keeps building and building. You've got the, um, there's a fire between us. Well, so I love, I can't you? get, get off, off the, the carousel. carousel. Oh, so, <laughs> so good. good. It's brilliant. Yeah. Like, that's really good. And so that's like chorus one. Let's call it a pre-chorus. Mm. Then you've got the, making um, day homophobic jokes in a fucking fucking place. Yeah, the, that bit, which is great. Beam me up because I can't breathe. Fucking great. And then you've got the spaceman, but heavy, like spaceman. I always wanted you to go. It's and I love it's like it's saying great. spaceman. I always wanted you to go into space, man. Exactly. <laughs> that, is, I, I, that is the most stoner thing you've ever said in your entire life. But it's cool. I think that's cool. I think the ju- I think the ju- duopoly. I think the jewel use of the word spaceman in the song is great that's not a stoner thing to say that's what he says in the song that sounds like a very stoner thing to say (laughs) that's what he says in the song no i mean you're not wrong (laughs) that was a very unexpected thing to come from you (laughs) i'm just saying um no i think like in the way that you know jagged little pill is a brilliantly crafted um pop grunge album you know like whether you like Alanis Morissette now or not or you find it embarrassing or whatever that album is really well written and really well crafted for the most part it's got a couple of one or two songs on it but that album for the most part is really really well written we're gonna have the acoustic version uh on broken records at some point which is going to be really interesting because I think you know I think the um those songs are actually really good for the most part Um, so I'm curious as to why that's going to be on the list because I've I've never heard it Um, and and just like that this is like a really well crafted well written song like it it just is it's really and the way like each chorus builds on the last so that it feels like it's, it's building to something um, and even the verse has this call that like almost that ticking time thing that like that's a pretty cool effect which doesn't sound dated to a particular time and to get any electronic effects which don't sound dated to a particular time I think is a bit of a you know bit of an achievement but I could see a Trent Reznor using that effect in a song or or a code orange using that effect in a song or something like that you know like i am not saying this is the of the quality of those two bands but there's stuff that there's a lot of stuff on spaceman that is really objectively fantastic um it's a great song it's brilliant i think it's a great song yeah i think it's wicked I've I said it's really wicked this song. The other thing I said to you before we started recording this is over the past twenty four hours I've listened to Spaceman about twenty times 
but I've only listened to the album in full once because I just keep going back to Spaceman because I fucking love it. It's great. It is fucking great. I mean, it's fucking great, this song. Yeah. It's fucking great. I want to hear, I, I want to hear like Palm Reader do a cover of it or something. <laughs> I don't know. Because I, I was like, somebody must have covered Like, you're missing a fucking trick. No one's covered it. Like, barely anyone's Katie covered Mel- it. Katie Mellier. Katie Mellier. Yeah. And that seems to be it. Madness. Absolute madness. Because it's so great. Yeah. It is so fucking great. That's I'll your debut. If Palm Reader did cover this, then they'd get to play download. Mm, let's not <laughs> wave that carrot at them that we can't do anything about uh, <laughs> um, but yeah you know the thing is so we'll talk about the aftermath and then we'll rank it I think basically yes this is a very long single isn't it this album yeah with, yeah, with yeah, a yeah. couple and a couple of the b-sides are all right yeah yeah jazz man as we mentioned did not help himself um, speaking after single topped the charts he said I was expecting this success. A racing driver knows when he's got the best car. And I know I've done something that's far superior to most things out there. I'm a great songwriter and one, and I could become a musical genius. <laughs> um, the album came out, uh, as we mentioned, and quickly dropped from the charts. Two weeks later, in fact. Went yeah. at number six. Two weeks later, it was at the top, uh, the top 40. There's a 2012 book about the kind of idiosyncratic nature of odd British things called You're Awful But I Love You that has said that only failure and embarrassment followed Babylon Zoo. And it's hard to kind of argue with that as a thesis. Saying that, The Boy With The X-Ray Eyes, Eyes has gone on worldwide to sell three quarters of a million copies. Wow. And 110,000 copies in the United Kingdom to be certified gold. So, like, let's not, you know, let's not sort of take, say it's a, been a complete disaster. No, those that are is a great lot of, figures. A lot of copies. I mean, yeah. every single one of them are in like landfill charity shops or i'm sure a lot i'm sure a lot of them were returned yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. uh so the next two singles from the album were obviously not as successful how could they be as successful as the most fastest selling british single of all time um animal army reached number 17 and then the title track made number 37 they never hit the uk top 40 again but they kind of tried to cling on for a little bit continually um babylon zoo Let's talk about Brass Eye. Jazz was featured on a buttock-clenchingly awkward interview on Brass Eye, which, for those of you who don't know Brass Eye, Brass Eye was between 1997 to 2001. There's only seven episodes that are ever made. Yeah. Uh, it's Chris Morris's stunningly perfect news satire show. Yeah. I think Brass Eye, by the way, just as an aside, is probably, I'm going to use your word objectively, Renfrey, mm-hmm. the best thing ever made <laughs> i think if you were to look at anything ever ever made and, and what whatever that thing happens to be trying to do i think brass eye is more well realized than than any of them this is going to sound like a weird comparison but i feel like it's our generation's faulty towers and the reason i say that is people said faulty towers is what 12 episodes and pretty much perfect yeah i feel like it's our version of like just a perfect comedy series where you i think it's our version of the mona lisa (laughs) 
I actually think it's be- I think it's objectively better than the Mona Lisa. <laughs> I'm going to stick with Faulty Towers, uh, which I still think is a pretty high accolade. Um, right. But you, you, maybe this, that's cool. This, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel is probably more accurate, actually, because <laughs> there's a lot more going on in that. But I think it's. I, I'm not even fucking around. I think like it's I, if you t- if you took one frame away out of Rasai, you would make it worse. Yeah. No, I agree. Nobody. I think if you gave it to Martin Scorsese or Francis Ford Coppola or one of the and anybody, one of the greatest, any of the greatest directors ever, they couldn't make it better. Yeah. They couldn't make any of it better. If you've never seen Brass Eye before, um, you should watch Brass Eye. To yourself a favour. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely amazing. So, Chris Morris uh, interviews Jazz Man. Uh, and introduce him by describing him as the chung wit, the biff boff, and the, and the, pa- <laughs> and the pastry hang- <laughs> the pastry hangman. <laughs> and already, <laughs> let's not get it twisted. He's the chung wit, the biff boff, and the pastry hangman. <laughs> and jazz man sits there, Stay. sipping a glass of white wine. <laughs> just looking like like definitely confused but desperately trying not to look confused yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean just reciting <laughs> fucking nine words from that series has put you in like I know I know <laughs> it's, it's... Uh, Chris it's so good. Chris asks him if he sings all the notes, to which Jazz says, correct. <laughs> <laughs> He's not in on the joke. He's like, no. This is a serious interview. Um, Chris asks him, have you sung them all? Jazz says, definitely, before then denying that he's ever sung an H. Only like five seconds later, he's gone back. Have you sung them all? Definitely, definitely. You sung an H? Oh, probably not, actually. <laughs> Yeah, he's talking about because there's a lot of notes. I mean, you've got A to G. Have you ever seen yeah. an H? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chris, um, Chris Morris asks him uh, if his song is a little bubble. And Jazz says it could be uh, a figment of people's imaginations. Chris Morris asks him, you write the lyrics, who does the words? Jazzman says, I do that as well. Chris asks him, will he ever write a spherical song? And when Jazz says, oh, at this point, at this point, the the... The aura of invincibility and sort of pretension is being sapped away from him. You can feel it in a minute. This is yeah, like it's perfect. only a minute long, this, is this, why, this is why Chris Morris is absolutely a fucking, is a, is a fucking genius. Because when you see Jazzman sat there with a glass of white wine, led back, looking all cool, like he's the cleverest, most intelligent, best person in the room. And, with, and by the end of this minute, he is a fumbling mumbling wreck <laughs> unable to formulate a single reply yeah. without any kind of confidence whatsoever what a fucking genius Chris Morris have you ever written a spherical song he says he doesn't know and he says you think Michael Nyman ever has <laughs> <laughs> to which Jasmine replies I think he's getting close <laughs> <laughs> I think he's I think he's getting close to writing a spherical song. <laughs> it's <laughs> oh, there must be some sort of copyright on this. <laughs> I think so, but it's only a second of it. It's a... And 
the and what will become and the 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 the, the thing I most remember about as it's Spaceman at number one for Babylon yeah. Zoo, and then this is second, I think. Uh, he says, are you a genius? And Jazzman says, I think I'll become a genius. And Chris Morse goes, maybe you've just got more genes than all of us. And Jazzman just goes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really, really embarrassing. Really, really embarrassing. You have like chopped that guy's ego down to size in, in, in 65 seconds. You've chopped that guy's ego in, in put, you're not just chopped it down you've put in a wood chipper you've incinerated his ego yeah it's fucking brilliant <laughs> just me and you reciting 65 seconds of brass eye has got you laughing as much as anything we've done oh, for yeah, god knows yeah. how long so um, imagine fucking seven episodes of it when yeah. you, it's just it's just so 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 great um we're not sponsored by Brassai, by the way, or Chris Morris. It just is genuinely fucking amazing. I'm happy to do like a live read for Chris Morris <laughs> every week for free. Do you know what I mean? I might actually pay, I might actually take the, a portion of my Patreon money and give it to Chris Morris just to go, do you mind if I mention how much I like you on our show? I'll pay you to let me like you, like mention you on our show. Yeah. Um, I'll pay you to let me like you. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, the band were also slated for their live shows around this time as well. So it was just a bad time. And they kind of, well, they sort of vanished. Despite that, I didn't really know this. And I certainly don't remember it. But they did release a follow-up album in 1998 called King Kong Groover, which opens with a jaunty Paul McCartney meets T-Rex song called All the Money's Gone. And it is, and I'm not just saying this, it is better than anything else on the debut album other than Spaceman. When the kind right. of choral backing vocals come, they have a kind of choir backing vocal come in singing, the money's gone, the money's gone. It's genuinely really quite funny and it's genuinely really quite cool and it really does nod to a much greater sense of self-awareness than, well, certainly that fucking Brass Eye interview yeah. would, would, would say to you. And it's got some pretty good songs in it. There's a song in it called Are You a Boy or a Girl? And it is pure... I mean, it's insane. I don't know how. The only reason that David Bowie didn't sue them for, because it's When You're a Boy. It, it's a really fun song, but it is When You're a Boy by David Bowie. Um, the only reason they haven't been sued for that is because I'm pretty sure no one has ever heard it. And if they had, <laughs> they'd go, well, you've just absolutely ripped David Bowie off. Um, it didn't chart. It sold 10,000 copies and the band vanished. Now, there was also a real threat of a reunion in 2005 when Jazz said the band might be coming back and releasing a new album called Cold Clockwork Doll. He asked fans to send the band one word to sum up their life, and he would write the lyrics for the entirety of the record using those words. The album never came out, <laughs> presumably because he only got about nine words, that which wouldn't a, have filled an album. Is, that is a dreadful idea. <laughs> that is a fucking dreadful idea. I'm yeah. sorry, that is awful. That, while she sleeps, wouldn't do that. No, they wouldn't. No, they, <laughs> they wouldn't. fucking uh, bum their fans. Uh, no, they don't actually bum their for fuck's sake. <laughs> no. Come on, mate. They're not any band on Warp Tour. Um, they're not insert any band that have ever played Warp Tour ever here. Let me, uh, let me. They really, they like their fans a lot. They're very respectful they, of their fans yeah. as well. 
Um, Jazz has gone on to become a, mu- a movie producer as well. I don't know if you knew this. No, I had no idea. That's amazing. All right, so he has helped the production and distribution of over 20 feature films, including two of the Cabin Fever horror movie franchise. Oh, all right. Uh, and he co-founded Pinewood Indomia Studios, so that's good for him. Um, there is a little... You know, I've been trying to look up and see what he's up to now. There is, I just want to end this little bit before we get into where we're going to rank it. There is what I think must be one of the most patronising articles of all time in Cosmopolitan, which is like going, oh, look at him now. He's a real grown up, isn't he? Oh, I actually yeah. tweeted this out from our account because I couldn't believe that they're like, oh, he's wearing glasses and a jumper and not a puffer jacket. What? That's weird, isn't it? 25 years after he was in the, t- like, obviously he's not going to be wearing the same clothes. You fucking morons. <laughs> yeah. He's like 50 now. He's 53 now. Like, he's not going to be wearing silver puffer jacket and, like, a skirt. It's a fucking dumb thing. Like, considering that sentence was written down and sort of probably read over it to go, yeah, that's good. <laughs> like, that's I mean, insane. I, I, wish, I wish that was the worst thing about that article. But there's also a bit going, they also, and it says, he even hangs out with Ice-T now and again. And they've proved that he um, hangs out with Ice-T by putting a picture of Jazz shaking hands with public enemy frontman Chuck D. <laughs> so, now, I'm not saying that he doesn't hang out with Ice-T, but what I am saying is that, presumably, that he also <laughs> hangs out with Chuck D. And I would think Ice-T and Chuck D, who don't look anything like each other... <laughs> When you've got the whole East Coast, West Coast rap beef thing, yeah. one of them's on the East Coast, the other one's yeah. on the West Coast. They're not even linked in any way before. Yeah. They're not mates. They don't hang out with each other. They look really, really different. Chuck D does not look like Ice-T nope. at all. And you, Cosmopolitan, have just gone, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> well, it's Jazz the, man it's... hanging out with fucking Ainsley Harriet. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's the hanging Samuel out. L. Jackson hanging out with Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> yeah. thing. Do you remember? Well, it's that? not even that because well, I I think Samuel Jackson at least like Samuel Jackson and Lawrence Fishburne, they don't really look similar. But there was a period where they were the only two big name black Hollywood. Act- I mean, I am not I am not excusing that that person no, at all. Yeah, 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 I'm not yeah, excusing yeah. that person at all. But I think this is almost worse because. At least, like, Lawrence Fisher and, and Samuel Jackson have been in films together and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They've actually crossed paths. Yeah. So I don't yeah, think yeah, Ice-T yeah. and Chuck D have anything to do with each other whatsoever. <laughs> it's like, oh, look, here's a picture of Jazzman with Pele, and it's Kobe Bryant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty awful. He wouldn't go, he also hangs out with Lady Gaga, and it'd be a picture of Katy Perry. Now, look, I don't want to say Cosmopolitan are racist idiots. I don't want to say that, but I feel like I have to because it's true. Can you see when the article was published? Like, how recent is it? The twelfth of April, twenty seventeen. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty. Anna, Anna, by someone called Anna Lewis, spaceman singer, jazzman has ditched his silver skirts in favour of V-neck jumpers. <laughs> Only twenty-one years after he was in the. Uh, to give I, yeah. I, I, just just because I this is my background a little bit I will say it may not be Anna Lewis's fault because she might not have done the captions but 
Yes. Oh, she she might she probably didn't put the pictures with the articles. Is what I'm saying. Because I actually used to do that job for the Independent. I used to put the pictures up for the. Uh, yeah. So it's probably the picture editor's fault, to be honest with you. But yes. Yeah, probably the picture editor's fault. It's not the picture editor's fault that um, she's put the 45 year old has ditched his flicked out bob, silver skirts, and fr- frosted lipstick in favour of a businessman haircut, V-neck jumpers, and amazingly, Remprey, amazingly, she she can't believe. No lipstick at all. <laughs> no, no. We, we can't blame the picture editor for that, no. <laughs> Turns out Jazz is now a real-life grown-up with a real-life grown-up job. Can you believe it? Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can believe pretty it. Pretty easy yes. to believe, to be honest. Man yeah. in band splits up band 20 years ago and does something else. Yes. It's a story. <laughs> Where are we going to put this record, Renfrey? Um, quite a hard one, I think. I think it's hard as well. Um, I well, we've already. I think, I think, Spaceman alone means that it shouldn't get into the top twenty. We sort of already yeah. discussed that and both agree with that. Okay, so here's what I think. Right, Lauren Hill mm. is a great art. Lauren Hill is a great artist. MTV Two Point Unplugged is a bad album. Right, yeah. it is long. It is rambling. It is unfinished it's incoherent it's very one note one paced but with that one chorus that one which kanye west sampled and turned into a big thing the commonality of uh i forgot what the bloody song's called now but anyway that one bit i thought was like i was like you know that bit cuts through everything so well and it's so great that that's kind of why and you know there are a lot of other kind of mitigating factors as to why lauren hill is as low in the chart as she is but ultimately if you're looking at it just just on the music alone that has got a pretty good position purely because purely because that one bit um is really really great it's undeniably really great and i think i said well that's the best song on this entire list so far when we did it obviously a lot of albums have been added to it since and there are some very 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 good songs there are some quite decent songs um there spaceman spaceman might be the best song on this whole list (laughs) it might be the very 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 best song on this entire list and for that reason alone I think the rest of the album is... I think the Liz Fair album is probably better than it. I think Metal Machine Music certainly achieves what it's meant to achieve more, as does Everybody's Rocking by Neil Young, as does Lulu, as does Self Portrait. But for me, because Spaceman is such a great song and better than that one little bit from the Lauren Hill album, and obviously this is a good 40 minutes shorter than the Lauren Hill album as well, yeah. I kind of think we should put it in between Liz Fair and Lauren Hill. Um, so Lauren Hill was going to be my gauge, um, because, because of the, the, you know, the, the, the very long, boring, ponderous album, but just with one moment or, or five minutes or 10 moments, that's more like a 10 minute version on the album, isn't it? Um, which just elevates it and you go, oh, actually, this is fucking great. Um, oh, poor. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's a bad placing at all. I think the only thing which is making me pause is, for example, can I honestly say that I get more enjoyment out of this album than I would listening to the D.D. King album? You know. Yeah, that's true. Or the William Shatner album. Yeah, that's true. Um, but which, I think it is probably better than both of them, right? 
Um, well, uh, well, yeah, I think it probably there's is. No, there's nothing on those two albums that is actually good. No, that's true. That is true. That you go like, oh, this is, you know, I'm, I like this because it's good. You like William Shatner and Dee Dee King because it's fun and it's funny. And it sort of doesn't mind. I, I don't think Dee Dee King or William Shatner would be that upset if you were kind of having a bit of a laugh at them. No. Well, kind of, but more with them. But they're kind of in on the joke, so it's fine. Mm. But none of it is actually good. I do agree with Whereas, you. But, and I think, like, the, I mean, the thing is, the problem is, is the lows on this album are really quite, are pretty low. I mean, they're well, not the, so well, low that the, I despise them. No. But, but the, the high, the high is so high. I think the other thing, though, we should say, the lows are low, but by broken record standards, the lows aren't that low. No. There's nothing offensive even, on here. Even the worst thing on it is still probably better than anything on Black and White Rainbows by Bush, for example. Um, something at random. Possibly, yeah. Well, Is Yourself for Sale, I would say, is the worst thing on it. You seem to more or less agree. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like... If you subjected, it's not, good. it's not good. But if you subjected me to that song again, I, I wouldn't throw too much of a paddy. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, when you think of the shit that's on like Van Halen three, yeah, yeah, or how bad some, like you know, how bad the video and singles were for like the, like the first half of that Mick Jagger album, Primitive Cool. We've not yeah. really spoken about that much, or how bad like results may vary. Yeah, has by Limp Bizkit has dreadful, dreadful songs, songs on, on it. Oh yeah. my gummer. Umaguma has got some nonsense. You know, yeah. there's bits of Umaguma that I, I look at Umaguma and I'm still like, mm, that feels quite like like quite a sort of shitty position for it because there's some stuff I like on it. But actually, like when but that's bad, that's it, bad. really quite yeah. bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it results from various awful. The mm. bad bits in American Life by Madonna, awful. Um, you know, Melodia, boring. Kids, what you aim for, boring. There's nothing even worth getting angry or. Do you know what I mean? So no. I. Or Tin Machine, like, you know, just, just like sloppy, you know. And, mm. and a lot of this album is equally as sloppy as probably something like Melodia by the Vines or Cute is What We Aim For or Tin Machine. Not Naomi Campbell. I think Naomi Campbell is a better album than this. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> I'm still pretty pissed off of where that's got to. Honest, Do you know, I, 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 will, I, I will say, I think Baby Woman as a whole is probably a better album than The Boy in the X-Ray Eyes. Yeah. Boy with yeah, the X-Ray Eyes, sorry. So yeah, yeah I do. I think you it regret probably it is. now, don't you? Um, well, no, but I, but I do think it probably is a better. We can album move overall. it. I'm happy to move. I'm no. happy to, to move Naomi Campbell to where it deserves to be. No, it's set in stone now. Uh, <laughs> um, so the only counter I would say in terms of going back to there's one moment on this which is just absolutely incredible. It's five minutes and forty seconds of a fifty-five minute record, so it's still forty-nine odd minutes of really slow, dirty, bleh. Um, but also, well, I think yeah, but also you've I mean you say that, but we've we've also got I I you know I think it starts with Animal Army, which is actually quite which is okay long. Animami's all right. Spaceman's brilliant. Yeah. The chorus of the boy with X-ray eyes, boy with X-ray eyes, is is elevates it and kind yeah. of got me going a bit. And I'm cracking up. I need a pill. Feels is like it's all right. right. Yeah. So you've really no, you've got four right. songs from eleven, and the rest is a bit just boring. Okay. So, so you've still... got you've got you've got you've got eleven songs. You got seven of them are a bit boring. You got three of them are kind of all right. And you've got one which is, I would genuinely argue, better than any other, any other 
five minute and 41 seconds that you will experience on the entirety of this list i laughed when you said it but i'm looking at the list and actually it's quite difficult to argue were you to say to me what is the best song on out of all of these records and broken records i would say the mystery of iniquity by lauren hill is the the single best song yeah on on this entire list i think spaceman is better than that song um like i'm i feel like there's going to be people who are up and arms about it but it's difficult for me to disagree really yeah i i like yeah it may well be may well be yeah and there's not a lot else that i th- you know there's not many like bits on that lauren hill album that are even as good as animal army no no that's true that's true um so what so what does that mean does that mean that you want to put it up above lauren hill yeah i would put it between lauren hill and liz fair so it's number 40 is bob dylan Hmm. number 39 is lou reed and metallica number 38 is neil young number 37 is lou reed's metal machine music number 36 is liz fair number 35 would be babylon zoo number 34 would be lauren hill i think that's pretty fair yeah it's difficult to argue with that which, you know, for an album which you've gone isn't really great and is barely an album, mm. um, it's still, you know, it's still all right, isn't it? It's just, it's just that song, isn't it? It's such a good song. It is. It's such a good song. It's such a good song. I mean, I kind of am willing for the rest... Of, um, you know, I'm willing to have um, th- this album exist just because it gave us that song. Yeah, yeah. Which is such a fucking great song. I'm actually perfectly happy with this record existing because of that song because like I, I i like i said i listened to it 20 times in the last 24 hours i really did not expect with my you know very critical thinking brain on to think all that much of spaceman i really did expect it to be nostalgia i think it's really well written i think it's a really mm. well written song i think it's really it's good a great song yeah um, I've picked an album out of the hat for us to do next week, Renfrew. Oh, yeah. Go on. We're going to be doing some metal. Metal! A big name in metal. Fucking up their shit. It's a good chance to, uh, to, to, to talk about how much better Load is than all of the contemporary versions of trying to do it. As we talk about Dave Mustaine, delighted to be talking about Megadeth at a time when <laughs> there's no controversy surrounding them at all. Uh, Megadeth, Super Collider, oh. we're going to be chatting about next week. One of, I think, a couple of Megadeth albums that are in there. Oh, really? Um, okay. Uh, Risk should be in there, right? Yeah, it probably should be. Uh, Super yeah. Collider, goodness me. Okay. Um, not a very old album, but and yet I cannot remember a single fucking thing from it. <laughs> I remember feeling very, very antsy about it yeah that's all i remember i believe i've listened to it once i i got it somebody sent it to me i think it's a pr sent like sent me a finished copy of it and i was like why are you doing this (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right cool thank you very much everyone thanks for listening uh make sure you listen to us on riot act every week and go to patreon.com forward slash riot podcast if you want to sign up for more positive stuff um, we will be doing a classic album on the song Spaceman by the way on our Patreon <laughs> at some point <laughs> not this album just that song on that single going through the uh, the remixes and stuff but you know in the meantime we'll be back next week we're going to be chatting about Megadeth so that will be a fun time we will see you then bye now